0: For this segment of Tech Talk with Johnson College, Dr. Katie Leonard hosts Glynis Johns, founder of Black Scranton Project, where they discuss Northeastern Pennsylvania's Black history and how it has gone largely ignored for so long, the mission and success of Black Scranton Project, and a new project that is coming to Scranton. Now that we are about a month into the new year, I've noticed that people are picking words that they hope represent 2021. So I thought I would join in the fun and pick my word, which is connection. In these chaotic and still uncertain times, we need to be reaching out to each other more than ever before. With our new world of Zoom and reinforced world of email and text messaging, it's easy to forget how important it is to simply connect with each other. A whole day can go by, and while you may have seen people over Zoom, if you're like me, you're left asking yourself, Have I really talked with anyone today? Even this opening, I'm recording it with the team via Zoom and I miss being live with them. My guests and I recorded the podcast still behind masks and it's hard, the whole thing's just getting hard. I believe I've mentioned this before, but I'm a big walker and I'm a big hiker. I walk at least two miles every day and try to get in longer hikes on the weekends. And even as I walk in my own neighborhood, I try to make eye contact with those individuals that I pass and I always say hello, even if I'm behind a mask. I have to admit though, that sometimes these days, people seem surprised that I'm even saying hello. And sometimes I do not hear hello back. And it saddens me. My fear throughout this entire pandemic has always been that we will lose our sense of connection to each other, which is really what connects us to our greater community. This past year, I was asked to become a trustee of the board of my undergraduate alma mater, York College of Pennsylvania. It's a huge honor for me and still surreal when I log onto Zoom and see some of my former college professors in the meeting with me. York Country Day School is an independent college prep school and its mission and York Colleges have been integrated for years. During the most recent board meeting, the head of York Country Day School talked about this concept of psychological stamina. How at the start of the pandemic, we were all running on adrenaline and able to make the critical decisions needed to keep ourselves, our loved ones, and our organizations safe and moving forward. And now almost a year in, we're suffering from this kind of mental and emotional exhaustion. She shared how important it is to help those we care about build this psychological stamina, which is really our capacity to endure the conditions that cause psychological stress in the ways in which we cope. Because let's face it, as I said earlier, this is all getting hard. I know we're hopeful for the new year, we still are, but there's still a long road to go. And we need to focus on our connection to each other as a way to help build this psychological stamina. So I have another challenge for all of you. I like issuing these challenges. I have to imagine that we all have a cell phone. And I believe we all know that this device can be used for more than just texting and emailing. You can actually talk over cell phones. So I think, so think about someone you haven't talked with in a while, whose voice you would love to hear and give that person a call, use that cell phone. You don't have to stay on long or talk about anything in particular, just focus on that connection. In these different and still chaotic times, a friendly voice can be just what is needed to help someone build their own psychological stamina. And just think how good it will make you feel too. Whether we like it or not, we're all connected. And this connection to each other is a large part of the discussion in this month's podcast. This month, my guest is Ms. Glynis Johns from Black Scranton Project. We discuss Northeastern Pennsylvania's Black history and how it has gone largely ignored for so long about all the wonderful initiatives that Black Scranton Project is bringing to Northeastern Pennsylvania, how neighborhood connections are sometimes the most meaningful, and about an exciting new project that she and Black Scranton Project are bringing to Scranton. We recorded this prior to the inauguration, so you will hear Glennis refer to President Biden as President-elect Biden. I hope you enjoy. I hope you learn something. And please, over the next several months, focus on connection. Just think of all the good that will come from one small action. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Glynis. I'm so excited uh, for our conversation. Um, You know, first, I just, you know, for those that that don't know, um, I know I often hear a lot about, like, Black history in northeastern Pennsylvania. And I think some people um sort of even take for granted that there is like black mm-hmm. history in northeastern PA. I'm sure that's something you hear a lot. So, could you just sort of like from your perspective like just say like kind of share like what is known mm-hmm. um and then maybe what people that you find are surprised to learn about black history in northeastern Pennsylvania?
1: Yeah, so that was the motivating factor for me to even start Black Scranton Project, mm-hmm. because no one really believed that there was or is Black history in the city of Scranton, in NEPA specifically. So um, that kind of just been a passion of mine to debunk the stereotype and then just fill the void with like all these incredible stories and people And just reclaiming this historical memory because a lot of people don't see that. And one thing that's super interesting for me now is even President-elect Joe Biden has said on national television, like, there were no black people here when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like frustrating because you have this national platform. Everyone recognized you coming from the city, but you continue to push this false narrative and say that the black community is different or lacking or invisible versus the black community that he knows of in Delaware. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so I really want to counter that and let him see, like, no, when he was a child, the black community was actually fighting for fair and equal housing here, an initiative that he's actually pushing now and something that, like, we are still have yet to gain fully. So um, that's something that I'm really interested in and something that I just, yeah, I want to share with people. There's so much to know. There's so many incredible things. And it's just wild that, like, we can walk through all these streets in downtown and, talk about how historic it is but no one even realizes that the downtown is the historic neighborhood of the black community like Mm -hmm. we were subjugated to that area that was a black enclave and no one even knows that and every space that was significant to the black community down there are now like parking lots or just like empty spaces where they were so it's really interesting how we have these systematic ways of like marginalizing people and making Mm -hmm. them transient despite the fact that we weren't or don't want to even be in these positions. So mm-hmm. there's a yeah. long way to say that, but.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. And I, I love the the mission of the Black Scranton Project and just exposing the community to just, just like what you said, that the history um, the, the narratives. I mean, we all have a story to tell and we all, you know, come from different places. And, we, you know, when we share, I truly believe like we become better, not just as individuals, mm-hmm. but as a community. So could you tell, you know, just share a little bit about um, what is the Black Scranton Project? What all does your work entail? Mm-hmm. Um, a little, little bit of the history, how it's evolving um, and, and how do people get
1: involved? Yeah. So the Black Scranton Project is a local nonprofit organization and we're dedicated to archiving and sharing the African-American Black culture, history, and identity of NEPA, Scranton specifically. So alongside of that, we do a lot of work promoting um, local artists and businesses um, and also like curating um, exhibits and events to invite the community in to see um, black history black culture and also your black neighbors because there's never spaces for us to be welcomed first and you know have spaces that are inclusive to us so that's something that we really strive for um, the second half of your question uh, what else does how did we get here I think you said hmm mm-hmm. so um, it all started as a research question in, <laughs> in graduate school at st. John's University I was um, working on my graduate thesis and the question and came up to me as uh, folks always thought basically that I had a conversation with somebody and they're like, oh, I knew all the black students in my graduating class, but I didn't remember you. And um, to me, it just struck me because this person thought they knew every black person in their school but forgot about me and it's just like why is it that like you assume you know everybody or you don't or like if you're black you're from somewhere else like why can't we be from here Mm -hmm. and you see on the office like all the black characters are in the background or you know like the first image isn't really cultural diversity or blackness associated with Scranton so I just wanted to um, using a sociological perspective debunk this idea and figure out like why people feel this way what is it about the city of Scranton that really disassociates blackness with it? And mm-hmm. why is it that when you see a black person immediately, you automatically think they're from somewhere else? They're transplant or they're transient here, non-contributors to the community. So um, I wanted to counter that narrative with anything I can find. And at first I didn't think I would find that much. And then I started to find so many incredible stories, so many, so many fabulous people that are now um, my idols and inspiration that push mm-hmm. me towards this work even harder. A lot of these folks um, pushed me towards um, the 2020 census, census initiative that I was working mm-hmm. on since 2017, and we were able to count more people in Scranton than we had in the past 30 years. Wow. So it's like, it's pretty a pretty big win, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, working with the mayor on social justice initiatives, all the folks that I've found in the past, like like I said, have pushed me towards this work. And um, yeah, it's really cool to kind of see Black Scranton become greater than myself. Yeah. People really love what's happening love to see what's going on and Mm -hmm. like to get involved so the other part of your question how people can get involved um right now it's kind of kind of dull with volunteering but we're always looking for volunteers to keep in our little um volunteer uh black book of sorts so if anyone (laughs) is interested on our website you can go to BlacksGranton.org slash volunteer, and there's a little form. You can tell us what you're interested in. Um, we have little things that you can get involved in. And when we need you, we will hit you up and say, hey, we have this going on. Can you help out? Whatever. Um, I always tell people they can get involved by just, like, sharing, letting people know that we're out here, following us on all social media, um, signing up on our newsletter, and you'll find us around. Yeah. And that's where we're at kind of currently. We're still in the digital online streets and so we can make it into a permanent location here but um yeah it's really cool how um the internet works and in that people are able to see us from around the world yeah um, has been something that has been really wild
0: to see yeah. people from
1: Denmark being like wow like I love what you're doing. Right I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. So. And
0: I think what's so impressive is that you've done so much in such a short amount of time. And yeah. just, you know, I've like followed your, your work and I know others have. And even just some of the displays at the, you know, marketplace at yeah. Steamtown, just significant, just things that, like you said, like weren't there before that raises, you know, at the very base level, just at least raises people's awareness Mm -hmm. um, of like the black history and black culture and you know sometimes too people like fear what they don't understand so just to put this in front of people Mm -hmm. and to be able um, to share it i just think it's it's a really great thing and then too the way in which you approach this i think is so interesting um you like approaching it sort of like as a research question um and something that then sort of moved like the work forward. Um, I think it sort of helps take something that could be, again, somewhat like very big mm-hmm. and and overwhelming and really kind of, you know, takes it down to a level that everybody could hopefully be able to to di- digest because when there's questions, you have to do the research to, exactly. to answer them. Um, so, could you just share a little bit about like that, that like approach? Like, how did you even mm-hmm. like like think to approach it that way?
1: So, um, at the time, as a sociology student, um, I was trying to approach it from a sociological perspective. So, I was really just looking at, um, I guess, on the baseline, like the socioeconomic landscape of Scranton um, to get an idea of just like demographics what people were doing and then kind of sinking a little bit deeper to see where the black community was and all i really did first was look into the census records to see what it, it told me and then um i went to like the library the historical society and i'm like just a simple question i wanted to keep it as bare bones because i wanted the resources that were available to show me what existed or like how they felt about the black community, for example. So I would go to the historical society in the library, and I said, "Can you show me anything about local black history? Can you pull out anything that you have? It doesn't matter. I just want to see. I'm doing some work. Anything on black people here?" Every time they're like, "Oh, we don't really have much on black history. Da 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 da." But if you just take, a, if you ask them for like Irish history, Italian history, mm-hmm. they have stacks and stacks and books and papers and and topics and newspaper clippings and photographs and everything. But when you ask about the black community, it's like, oh, we don't really have much. Oh, there really is no black community here. Or, oh, oh, we don't really know where to find that kind of stuff. And so, like, it was frustrating for sure. Mm-hmm. But it also makes you feel, as a black woman, like, again, the city has nothing to offer you. So then thinking about all these children and kids here, they are going to feel like there's nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that none of the resources had much to offer... I started to look into the newspapers. Um, I would look at what was available, see where their sources were, and then kind of follow that. Um, and once I got into the newspaper archives, that led me down many rabbit holes because once I'd find one name, I'd start to research that person and then find something else or organization or a location. Um, and thank God for uh, the Internet and being able to <laughs> keyword searches because you can type in keywords at newspapers.com. And it'll show you, like, thousands of things. So I would just, like, leaf through different newspapers and pages and see what I can find. And that has been, like, a really valuable resource for me. It's newspapers.com. And I pretty much spend every day on there looking for stuff. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And once I compiled all this work and started to kind of dissecting some of the words of folks and some of the businesses and and everything else, um, I completed my graduate thesis on the topic. And then after that, I'm just like... Can't leave this in these pages like i have to come back to scranton and share this with whoever will listen because i would have taken so much value from this like in high school in middle mm-hmm. school whatever because it's not accessible people don't believe it's there so i went back to scranton went to the university of scranton all these places whoever wanted to listen to me talk about black history here i was telling them um i ended up becoming a substitute teacher uh, for a part of the reason was so I can just on the days I don't have any lesson, just be like, "Hey kids, guess what? Let me tell you about this Black history in the city of Scranton. Gather around, children. Mm-hmm. Gather around." Yeah. Um, so I would do all that, and then people started to get really interested in it, um, and then I just started to like push it further to being just a community org, um, and then it people approached me like, "Hey, I can help you make this into a nonprofit," and then it just quickly spiraled into a nonprofit. So. From twenty seventeen until now, um that's pretty much how we got here. yeah. um so and, yeah, and it's wild. yeah,
0: and I'm sure you learned so many things that you, like maybe you had heard about through, like from your family. but is there any like one story that really sticks out to you that like resonated with you so much that you're like, okay, like I'm doing this for lots of reasons, but this, like Ooh, this person or this there's a is.
1: <laughs> um, I guess I can break it down to two, two that are really relevant today. Um, so my idol and favorite story who I will talk about every single day is Mrs. Louise Tanner Brown. And she was alive in the early 1900s. She passed away in 1955, actually. Um, her husband owned a trucking and hauling company and it was called GW Brown Drain Co. So a drain, Draymans were basically like trucking and hauling. Think like U-Haul today, Mm -hmm. people who are like movers and things, um, So they own this drain company and it was the most successful in any PA. So they were having, um, commission for big jobs all across, um, the tri-state area. So when her husband, um, George Brown passed away in 1926, Louise took over the business and she didn't even want to. She was doing her own thing. She was like in laundry. Um, she was really big on education, teaching the babies at the church and stuff. But when he passed away, she realized all the people that wanted to go after the business because it was so successful. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, if people want it, I'm just going to take it over. And when she did, she made it even more successful than when her husband was running it. So it was like a million dollar business by this point in the 1930s. She was able to buy multiple trucks. You know, at this point, you know, automotives were kind of like new on the scene. She was (laughs) able to get all these things, um, made it more successful. They talked about her in a bunch of publications. She was very big on education. She was part of the women's suffrage movement movement in the 1920s. Wow. Um, and leading the charge for black women, representing black women across NEPA. And that, you know, alongside the fight for women in general. Um, like I said, big on education. She loved arts and culture. And she would often, like, read popular literature and poetry of the time. Um, because in the 1920s and 30s, a lot of folks were illiterate. Um, but specifically, mm-hmm. a lot of black folks were illiterate too. So she would make sure that they, you know were involved in what was going on and were able to participate in black culture and black entertainment. One of our favorite poets and also friend was Paul Lawrence Dunbar, who was one of the earliest and most successful African-American poets of the early 20th century. Um, So I admire her. She was also very fabulous through the best parties. People said she was a (laughs) fabulous speaker, well-dressed all the time, and I just admire her. Um, And did they
0: live right in Scranton? Yeah, Did they
1: lived they? on Prescott Avenue. They had a wow. house on, um, what is it, uh, Jackson Street, like in the nineteen twenties. Um, then they lived on Prescott. They had a house on West Side. They had a, a building and property on Jackson Street. And their main warehouse, five foot story, five foot five story um, brick warehouse on the corner of Lackawanna Avenue and Cliff Street, okay. where the March bus terminal yes. now is. So it's wild that you know you could walk down Lackawanna Avenue and on this <laughs> corner, used to be. one of the most I call it the most successful black business in the city of Scranton now gone yeah you know I was fighting to get plaques over there doing all these things kind of didn't really happen but it will happen yeah um and just the fact that like people know about her now last year um Governor Tom Wolf invited me to the Governor's Mansion um when they were doing their Game Changing Women exhibit um at the Governor's Residence And they asked me, like, for more information about Louise and, like, all the things that she did and invited me to come to the celebration. And the first image of the women on the wall was Miss Louise Tanner Brown. I was just like, wow, so cool. (laughs) And just to think about her being like, you know, this little black girl just plucked her from the (laughs) archives and is, like, you know, so enamored with her and just talking about her all the time. Like, I wonder how she feels now and like she made it to the governor's residence like for this thing yeah in 2020 you know Mm -hmm. so that was pretty wild and really cool and i think like a lot of the blessings are due to her you know being like she's out here she's she picked up the baton you know trying to make sure that the babies are educated across this district is trash you know all those things so i can go on about her forever (laughs) but she's my favorite yeah, that's a, that.
0: That's great and so inspirational. And what, like, sort of a neat tie even into Johnson College? Like, I didn't even know that. And we have an automotive program, a diesel mm-hmm. program too. Of a, you know, automotive is one of our um, older programs here at mm-hmm. at the college. Um, and you know, in in two. Kind of along those lines, um, I know we've talked about collaborating mm-hmm. uh, in the future. So if you can, could you talk a little bit about what's coming up next for Black Scranton Project and, yes. um, and our tie-in? <laughs> uh,
1: can I share one more story that's related oh, to John's college? Though, yeah. And then we can jump into that. Absolutely. So, and I never talk about him too much either. So this will be a great place to put it. So there's this man, his name was John, um, uh, John Morgan. So I can't remember the year specifically now. I'd have to dig it back up. But I want to say, like, maybe like 1910-ish, 1920s-ish, John Morgan built his own car from scratch out of just, like, random parts with coal. Like, it burned coal. He had all Hmm. these buckets. Um, And they wrote this thing in the paper about him and, like, how he, you know, like, built this, like, clunky thing. He called it the Morgan Wright. And he even um, got it insured, had a license, and he was part of um, uh, the Lackawanna Motorist Club. And okay. I like, did a little piece on him there. Yeah. Um, but he was so proud of his work, and it was so cool. There's, like, one grainy Xerox picture that I have <laughs> of it. And um, it was just really cool because, one, cars were new at the time. He built his own car, and he would actually drive it around. He, um, he has an interesting, like, origin story to getting to Scranton. He fell asleep on a train coming from Binghamton and woke up in Scranton oh. and just stayed here. <laughs> that <laughs> so is great. He just stayed here. Um, and everyone's like, yo, like, what are you doing here? And he just like, I don't really know. <laughs> so he started, like, shipping coal around the city of Scranton. So he wow. built this little contraption and was, like, using it to haul coal all around the wow. city. And um, in the city directories, he had, like, you know, little business tags being, like, you know, he... Hulls cold to wherever it needs to go. So I thought it was so interesting. And a friend of mine um, actually did an illustration of what his um, Morgan Wright car contraption that he made looks like from the description in the paper. So really cool. Um, And I'm working on trying to like share his story again. I wish there's more images of him and all this stuff. But when I read about him in the paper and all his like the wild things about him was so interesting. Yeah. You know, again, it's just like to me, it was just an interesting thing that like. A lot of folks don't see black folks as being here and this guy kind of literally just fell yeah in the city. and That's and i wonder
0: again if he and our founder orlando johnson's path like mm-hmm. crossed because i mean orlando was a wealthy coal mayor, and it sounds like he was supplying coal like around the Beautiful. the area so it would just be so it's just like really neat to think yeah. about yeah. um that maybe they're they're paths cross. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe. I'll have to check on that and see. Um, so then to your other point, things that we have going on, yes. So we are about to open um, the Blacks Granting Project Center for Arts and Culture, and I'm excited to be creating a community center, a space where we can house a permanent exhibit, have resources for the kids, because like I said before, the school district is not doing much for them. And I think community-based learning is where we are going to have to be leaning into And I just want a space where people can, kind of like, step into Black history. I want to create a space that's a safe space for everyone in the community. Um, And I'm just so blessed that we're able to get our ideal space. And we'll be hopefully before the end of this year, having people open to the public with resources. We really want to have like a recording studio, an art studio. like, different things to, like, screen print for, for young people, um, to have resources to, like, create things for alternative creative career paths, for example. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, tons of things that we're trying to implement in there. Um, I know we talked about we would do, like, a STEM, yeah, like know, kind of programming STEM for
0: all, yeah.
1: Yes, like, I think that would be so great, like, for them to, like, learn robotics or, like, work with different things and, you know, all that. So that's going to be happening. We got the space. We got an amazing donation of a beautiful property. And I'm just excited. I'm excited for us to be like moving into this next chapter um, and then, you know, having the community get involved, having volunteers, working with Johnson College, for example. And um, yeah, I think it's really needed, especially during COVID. There's just like, again, nothing to really do. And especially for young people, like ages 12 to 18, like what are they doing? What are we doing to help Mm -hmm. them? Yeah. and it doesn't seem like there's anywhere really in the city that's doing much of that so yeah. i just really wanted to have and start creating spaces and things to do that i didn't really have yeah going up here so it's it's really great that people believe in the mission of black scranton and, and see it as a valuable tool mm-hmm. institution and resource yeah so yeah. yeah hopefully we'll be making an announcement soon <laughs> of the community center and i cannot wait because i i just can't believe it like I just i'm just excited, I'm it's, so excited. yeah
0: a, a lot of hard work paying off for sure yes <laughs> a lot of hard work um and you make a great point too about just you know children having things to do i see it with my own daughter mm-hmm. she's now 12 and um in the scranton school district online Um, and you know, oftentimes like she's, she does her work and she's done Mm -hmm. within an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm like, well, that's a long time to fill (laughs) for, for a day. And if there were other things for her to do and just interact um, with other kids her her mm-hmm. own age in a, in a safe way. It would be really beneficial. We even tried doing some of that here at the college because we were, you know, we were opened and, you know, we've been safe and we haven't had many mm-hmm. positive cases of COVID at all. So mm-hmm. we reached out to the schools and said, hey, come the winter, yeah. like, People are going to need things mm-hmm. to do. We're all going to be going a little yeah. stir crazy. So we started doing some after school programming here on campus. So it'd be great to have other, you know, partners and ways in which to, to deliver some of that for, for children. Because you're right, schools, you know, even if we wanted them to do everything, they can't do everything. And the things mm-hmm. that other things that are that we feel are important to a child's full development, I think yeah. there's other ways that that can be delivered. Um, so I can't wait for the I'm so excited. <laughs> community yeah, center. we we'll definitely have to brainstorm some
1: projects for them to do yeah. and even make it hybrid where they can do some parts mm-hmm. at home, some parts here or at our space. Because yeah. as you know, like the school district already before the pandemic had cut the arts programs. Mm-hmm. So I do not believe that even transcended into this digital age of covid learning um with already just all the deficits it's just like so not fair and if these kids fail the whole city fails that's the next generation it's like if you're not paying attention to them that's really sad and it, it to me it's just like I don't see how you can't even find ways to just show these kids that like we we know like incentivizing and like giving little gestures of kindness and like all those things are so important to their learning and development. And we just completely forgot about it. I mean, not we, but, like, Mm -hmm. it's being forgot about. And I just, I just, ugh, it just sickens me because I already know going through the Scranton School District, it did not serve me in the way it should have. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of that I had to fight for myself. And Mm I had to find some Find ways. Like, Like, find other ways on your own. And myself and have that confidence Mm -hmm.
0: to tell myself
1: that I'm smart, capable, and willing. You know, now the school district, like, wants to praise, you know, their alumni, student, goodness. But it has nothing to do with them. They would have told me I couldn't do anything if I listened to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just don't want any kids to feel like that. Yeah. No matter what your color is, no matter where you come from, if you're from the city of Scranton, you should be bound for success. Mm-hmm. Especially since we're, you know, praising this president-elect. He should make sure that none of these kids are failing. You know, there should be another president that comes out of the city, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. you should make sure of it, you know? And yeah. I just think, like, more people should be focused on that
0: yeah because it's amazing too because then on the other side by the time they graduate then everybody wonders why there is a brain drain right Mm -hmm. like why did you know local students then want to flee northeastern pa for bigger cities or other not even bigger cities just other places Mm -hmm. um and and like you said you can kind of trace that back to well what was their experience like here all along Mm -hmm. and growing up and and was it even a place that they felt that there was any type of opportunity not just for themselves but what was then going to take place for their own children if they decided
1: to stay here and and raise a family because i thought i was gonna leave and never come back (laughs) (laughs) but here we are you know this research brought me right back here (laughs) yeah
0: so that that's actually leads me to to my next sort of you know set of questions you know what you know i i think i know the answer to this but i want to hear from you like what's what what keeps you here and what what do you believe are the areas best attributes
1: um so for me what keeps me here is that i belong here and i think a lot of people still believe that this space is not meant for people of color and that kind of drives me because again i felt like i needed to go to be amongst a community that already already exists, which is fine, but I also wanted to stay here and create the community that got pushed away and got overlooked and forgotten about, and really be proud of who I am and my identity. So that's kind of what drove me back here, um, or kind of kept me staying, and then the reassurance of these historical figures, like Mrs. Louise Tanner Brown, (laughs) like John Morgan, who claim this place as their own and worked really hard to make sure that the community, like we had resources for the community. They had to be self-sufficient. We had to look out for each other because all these other spaces didn't. And to be in 2020 and that still is the same thing to me, it was just like, wow, like we have the power to change our circumstances. And so that was kind of like my own little case study. Like, can I try to do this? Like, what will happen if I ask? What will happen if I do and it can happen like the fact that someone believed in Black Scranton and the things that I was doing enough to donate a building (laughs) to (laughs) us um says it all you know and I don't think I'm extraordinary honestly I think that anybody can really do what I'm doing you just have to really you just have to really like push yourself towards it and you know everybody's not going to be able to um be a historian or do this historical work or um, be at the forefront of like local social justice initiatives but you can um you can put yourself out there and really like in the spaces that you're at you can make it your own and you can also be an advocate in the space that you already are in you don't have to like go outside of your realm like if you're an artist use your art to do something like mm-hmm. if you are an engineer use your engineering skills to mm-hmm. do something um and I think that's really beautiful and i've started to see that in the community too where a lot of people are like hey like i have this like cement paving company how can we help now it's like hey we might have a parking lot you're still down to help you know and those people are like of course i will or like hey like i'm an electrician if you ever need me mm-hmm. hit me up you know those sort of things um, yeah and i think that is really important and i think as white people who often feel like they don't know what to do, I would just say to you, like, think about what you have and what you can, like, what you can do and give because there's a lot of ways that you can give and be supportive for people who are in marginalized spaces or need assistance or need mm-hmm. to be, um, supported, you know? And it, like I said, it doesn't have to be going out of the way. It could just be giving a couple of dollars. It could be mm-hmm. just offering a, a service. Like we talked about service, our students, you know? like
0: helping and... Yeah, yeah.
1: so... I think it's, there's so many ways to, to do things, um, that can brighten up your, your community and just like being nice, you know, saying hello to mm-hmm. people, yeah. especially with the mask on, just like saying hi, uh, you know, know, really changes, things. like simple <laughs> acts of kindness really go yeah. a long way. So all of those things I, I try to let people know because, um, yeah, it, it really, it really, um, ha- creates a ripple effect.
0: Yeah. I know we were we were we were starting to talk about this before we officially went on the air, but just you know how I think one of the best attributes of this area are the neighborhoods within Scranton. And I know you and I, you know I've lived in Southside, you just moved to Southside, and you were telling a great story about your neighbors and just how kind they are yeah. uh, and and that genuine care and something that I do think we take for granted these days. You know, I I too, I'm I'm a big walker and it does drive me nuts sometimes when I try to look somebody in the eye, Mm -hmm. even behind a mask and just, you know, say hello. Having a mask on doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you put your head down. (laughs) It doesn't give you permission to ignore the world around you. And I feel like people like sometimes are are hiding behind that Mm -hmm. a little bit.
1: Um, like my grandfather said, always said to me, "Doesn't cost anything to say hello." That's right. Doesn't smile. Cost anything yeah. to Smile. That's so, right. <laughs> I've always kind of just used that. Um, yeah.
0: Great. And what's and just if you can just kind of share again ways in which people can mm-hmm. get involved. How can they reach out to you, Black Scranton Projects?
1: Yes. So um, anyone interested in learning more about Black Scranton can visit us at blackscranton.org. Anyone interested in donating can find ways to do so at blackscranton.org slash donate. If you want to follow us on social media, we're Black Scranton on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and I'm Glenis Johns. I'm the founder. You can connect with me there. I'm, I'm usually behind the scenes on the internet <laughs> streets over there. Um, so yeah, that's Black Scranton. And we are out here. and We're doing a lot of cool things. And I'm super excited for the future. Even though it is a little bleak, but you know we can right. bring our own little bright spots.
0: That's right. So <laughs> Move thank forward. Be for positive. Here.
1: Thank you so much for and being here. I can't here. wait for you know us to partner and do more things. I'm excited for you guys to be in the center and helping us. And excited about all the technological things. And I used to teach robotics, so like I'm excited to yeah. like, get back in that sort <laughs> of kind of wave. That's, you know,
0: I'm excited to learn right behind the right beside <laughs> the students. So it will be great for everyone. Thank you so much again for being here. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. That
0: was fun. Find all Tech Talk with Johnson College podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. Johnson College. We work.